This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Today we are continuing our way through the book of Acts. Acts is the story of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the church. And we've been working our way through it story by story, um, examining how it's not just descriptive of our history, but is prescriptive for our present and our future. And so the stories we see in Acts, we believe, are describing who we are supposed to continue to be and the things we are supposed to continue to do. And today we'll be in Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through 15, and we're going to see uh, an example of how God is calling all of us to move from admiration of God to transformation in Jesus Christ. And so we'll, we'll see the story of a lady named Lydia and her conversion from someone who fears the Lord and is aware of him to someone who is a fully devoted follower of Jesus and takes her place in the community of faith. Um, Another way to to think of that movement might be moving from fan to follower. And so last Sunday gave us a wonderful example of what it means to be a fan. You went home from church. You most likely in some way or another watched the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl is an example of all kinds of fandom. So there are obviously fans of both teams uh, who are there cheering for their teams, right? Fans of the good guys and fans of the bad guys. There are fans of all the teams that didn't make it, and now they're just hate-watching the teams that that did make it. There are fans of the halftime entertainers who are performing, uh, reliving their glory years along with those artists. There are fans of the commercials. There are fans of celebrities who are in attendance at the game. And then within fans, there's all kinds of qualifications and categories, right? You've got casual fans. Uh, You've got some bandwagon fans. You have uh, some some dedicated fans, some hardcore fans. Uh, You have some lunatic fans. Uh, There's just all, the whole spectrum is represented. But the thing that all of those fans had in common last Sunday is there's not a single fan that was an important part of the game, an important part of the performance. Fans are always on the outside. And I know that kills some of us because we're like, no, actually, I am part of the team. Uh, I am a member of the band. I am part of the movie production. You're not, right? Unless you're getting a paycheck, you're not part of it. You're just outside of it, and you're a fan. And that's fine. I love being a fan. But as a fan, what it means is I am just going to appreciate the entertainment value that this team, band, movie, whoever provides me, and then I'm going to move on with my life. And so what what it reveals about fandom is fandom is always shallow, and fandom is never transformative. Fandom will always leave you empty, which is why it is so dumb to lose sleep when your favorite team loses a game, right? It's why it's ridiculous to be upset about a celebrity who broke up with their significant other when you don't know either one of them. And yet, for all of us, fandom creeps in and it grabs a hold of our heart. And the reason it does is because fandom awakens our desire to be part of something bigger, part of something that that is, is more important than how we view our life. Now, what we see in Acts chapter 16 this morning is an example of a woman who was existing outside the kingdom. She was aware of God. She was a fan of God. She was worshiping God to the best of her ability, but her experience was incomplete and she remained on the outside. And what we see is that unlike your favorite team, your favorite celebrity, or your favorite band, God is committed to moving you from outside to inside. 
He wants you to be fully engaged and fully participating in the life that he has for you, which means he will never be satisfied with your admiration, but he always desires your transformation. And in Acts chapter 16, we see God being so dedicated to helping a woman named Lydia experience a story of transformation that he has directed the Apostle Paul and his ministry team away from the place they desired to go to get them at the right place at the right time to share the good news with Lydia and her household and bring them from admiration to transformation. So if you have a Bible, we'll read that story. Acts chapter 16 starts in verse 11 and goes through verse 15. From Troas, Luke, the author of Acts, is writing. He's traveling with Paul. We put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. The next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So as we read through this story, we, we notice a couple things. The first we notice is God has a plan to reach admirers. The scriptures are clear that God is never satisfied with people just knowing about him, with people respecting him, or with people living a God-adjacent life. The Lord has not instituted the kingdom of Christ for the purpose of establishing religious people who respect him and view him as a good role model or teacher. But God's plan has always been that every person everywhere would come into a personal and transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. And in Acts chapter 16, we see exactly how dedicated God is to this process. The Apostle Paul previously has been on the other side of the sea. He's been traveling on a missionary journey, constantly trying to go east into Asia. And every time he tries to go east, the Holy Spirit tells him no and redirects him to the west. And so where our story picks up is Paul and Luke get on a ship, they cross the sea. When they cross the sea, they land, and then they begin another journey until they arrive at the city of Philippi. When they're in the city of Philippi, they still don't know exactly why they're there or what they're supposed to do other than they're supposed to share the gospel. And so normally they would go to a synagogue in the city, but the fact that they choose to go to the river instead makes us think there's not a strong Jewish community in the city of Philippi. It only took 10 Jewish men to establish a synagogue, and so the fact that Paul and his ministry team go to the river means that there are probably less than 10 devout Jewish men in the city of Philippi. So they go to the river looking for a place of prayer, and when they arrive, they find a group of women who are also gathered near the river for the purpose of prayer on the Sabbath. And in that moment, suddenly for Paul and Luke, it all begins to make sense of this is why we're here. This is why God said no the first time, and this is why God said no the second time, and this is why we got on the ship, and this is why we took the hike, and this is why we couldn't find anyone else in Philippi, because God was arranging our circumstances to get us at the right place, at the right time, to talk to the right people, and in Philippi, the right people are Lydia and her household. And we see how thoroughly devoted the Lord is to making sure that Lydia gets a chance to hear about Jesus. 
He's redirected Paul again and again and again, so he shows up there. And it's a reminder for us today that God is never satisfied with our admiration, but he is always leading us, drawing us, revealing Jesus to us to bring us to a point of personal transformation where we hear the good news of who Jesus is and we step into the new life that he's offered to us. The story of Acts shows us that God's plan to reach admirers is always to launch Christians out of established churches to go to new places to share the gospel with new people. And so that model has continued from that day to this day. That model is the reason that you and I are followers of Jesus today if we've made that decision. That model remains the privilege and responsibility for us today as believers. Not just that we will follow Jesus, but that we will listen to the Holy Spirit and we will be willing to go wherever he leads so that we can be in the right place at the right time to share good news with people who maybe they're admiring him, Maybe they've had some thoughts about him, but they have not yet recognized Jesus for who he is. God is never satisfied when his sons and daughters, created in his image, are outside of his kingdom. And what the story of Acts shows us is he is endlessly dedicated to providing a personal and powerful revelation of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit to every man, woman, and child. And when we begin to to see this happening in the book of Acts, and specifically in the story of Lydia, what we find is that God's plan for transformation takes into account every facet of our life. There is nothing in your life that can disqualify you from a revelation of Jesus Christ, and there's nothing in anyone else's life that can disqualify them from a revelation of Jesus Christ. We see this in, in Lydia's story. As you read the description of her when we meet her in verse 14, it says, One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And so again, Acts 16 is teaching us God's plan is transformation. For everyone, everywhere. He wants to transform hearts. He wants to transform minds. He wants to transform lives. And so, again, we can hear that, and maybe some of us in the room, we've not yet had that experience of transformation in Christ, and you might even think that you have somehow disqualified yourself from it. Because of who you are, because of where you're from, because of what you've done, you might think you are either too bad or too good for the offer of salvation in Christ. But as you get into the details of Lydia's story, what you find are are four characteristics in Lydia's life that remind us that God's plan for transformation is for all of us, all of the time. So the the first characteristic that Luke tells us about Lydia is that she was from the city of Thyatira. And so he's teaching us in this space that God's plan is transformation no matter where you're from. So we don't have a, a map of where they are at the time, but remember I told you last week when we were talking about Paul, he's over here across the sea and he's trying to go farther east into Asia. And God directs him across the sea to the west, and he finds himself in Philippi. That's where our story takes place this morning. So Paul, he's over in this region, and there's a city in this region called Thyatira. It's kind of there on the border of Asia, the place where Paul wants to go and minister. But when Paul's passing through that area, God's telling him, no, I want you to go west. And so Paul goes west, and he gets on a ship, and he crosses the sea, and he goes to Philippi, and he arrives in Philippi. And the first convert he finds in Philippi 
is a woman from Thyatira, the place that he wanted to preach the gospel, and God wouldn't let him. And it's just this, this wonderful little, you can call it a coincidence, you can call it whatever you want, but it's a reminder to us that when God puts a desire in our heart, even if he sells no to it in this place or this time, there still might be a way that he fulfills it in an unexpected surprise. So Paul shows up in Philippi expecting to preach the gospel to Philippians, and instead he's preaching the gospel to a lady from Thyatira, the place where he wanted to, and God wouldn't let him. And as he finds himself in that place, he finds himself interacting with a lady named Lydia. Now Lydia from Thyatira, from a Jewish perspective, is a woman who's born at the wrong time in the wrong place among the wrong people group. When it comes to a relationship with God, she is outside of God's chosen people. She has grown up most likely as a polytheist. At some point in her journey, she's had an an awakening and recognized that there is some truth to the God of Israel. But for our purposes this morning, the first characteristic we have to recognize with Lydia is that God's plan for transformation includes all of us no matter where we're from. So it doesn't matter if you're a first century Jew or if you're a first century Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're a pagan or you're a worshiper of God. God's plan is to reveal Jesus and lead you into transformation. Translate that into today. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what part of the country you were born in. It doesn't matter if you grew up in the sticks of Oklahoma, the hills of Kentucky, or the backwoods of some backwater place that no one's ever heard of. It doesn't matter if you lived in the most important cities in our nation or if you've spent your whole life in flyover country. God's plan is to reveal Jesus Christ to you. It's also a reminder to us at the church that someone's location, race, or ethnicity can never disqualify them from being a participant in the kingdom. Because God's plan is still for everyone, everywhere, to be brought into the kingdom. That every man, every woman, every child is a person created in the image of God and for a relationship with God. And what Acts reminds us of again and again and again is that the kingdom of Christ was never intended to be restricted to a people group, a nation, a language, or one specific religious background. But instead, when we say yes to Jesus, we are brought into God's family where we will worship him in spirit and in truth and we will be led and guided by the Holy Spirit. And so what that means for us today is, one, no matter where I'm from, Jesus is for me. And two, no matter where anyone else is from, Jesus is for them. And so we all have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. The second characteristic that Luke tells us about Lydia is that she was a dealer in purple cloth which seems like just kind of a a throwaway line. And yet, if we understand what he's saying there, what he's telling us is God's plan is transformation for you no matter how much you have. Now, all through the, the Gospels, Jesus makes it very clear that he has come for the poor and the powerless, that he is there for the overlooked and the lonely, that he will reach out to the untouchables and to the rejected. We also find Jesus giving repeated warnings to the rich and the powerful that it will be difficult for them to enter the kingdom of heaven, which is why I believe Luke includes this one little line about Lydia. She was a dealer in purple cloth. Now, he's already told us she was from Thyatira, and ancient historians tell us that Thyatira was a hub of the dye, the purple dye production and manufacture of clothing. And so there there was an herb that they would take and they would kind of grind it down and they would create purple dye and then they would use that for different articles of clothing. And it, it was a very strenuous, a very involved process, which meant that the finished product was extremely expensive. 
And so when Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from Thyatira, finds herself in Philippi, what we know is that Lydia is a wealthy woman selling excessively expensive goods to the richest of the rich. It was, it was royalty and the top 1% of society that could afford to wear purple. And so when you wore purple in public, it was a declaration to the entire world of, I know you thought I was better than you, but my clothes are proof that I am, right? They, I mean, it was just, it, it would, purple and gold were the announcements to the world that I have more than you. And Lydia has given her life to this trade. It seems that she's somewhat successful. She owns a home that's large enough for her and her household. She owns a home that's large enough for her to later welcome Paul and his entire ministry team into her household. She seems to serve in, in some kind of patron role for Paul during his period of ministry in Philippi. And so what we, what we learn from Lydia is Lydia is a wealthy woman selling luxury goods to the richest of the rich, and God has a plan for her. And so again, it's a reminder to us today, the church is easy, easy normally to accept the idea that no one is too poor to say yes to Jesus. Acts 16 reminds us that no one is too rich to say yes to Jesus. That it doesn't matter how much you have, you'll never have it all until you have a relationship with Christ. And, and so Lydia is our example of a woman who has achieved, of a woman who has climbed the ladder of success, and at the top, what she has found is her life is still incomplete. It's the same thing you'll experience if you're believing the lie today that you are one raise, one promotion, one amount of money away from happiness. If you're allowed to achieve it, what you'll find is that happiness is a moving target. The joy and peace and fulfillment will never be found in your possessions. And you, you don't have to believe me, just make friends with somebody who has more than you. And what you'll find is their stuff has never brought them peace. They might have a little bit more fun than you do. They definitely have some cooler toys than you do but they still have the same struggles. They still have the same inner turmoil because our wealth and our riches can never satisfy our soul. And what Acts is teaching us is wealth and riches can never satisfy your soul. And so as a church, we can't disqualify the wealthy and the rich from the kingdom. But instead, when God opens doors, we share the gospel with anyone, anywhere, anytime. And we believe God has a plan, not just for the poor and powerless, but also for the rich and powerful. It's also a reminder to us if we find ourselves in a position of wealth and privilege, of influence and popularity today, that we must continually live with a heart that is being humbled towards the Lord, recognizing our need for him in our life and his desire to help us steward these blessings in ways that can build his kingdom. And, and we'll get to that in a moment of what Lydia does with the wealth that God has trusted her with. So, so Luke tells us that Lydia's from Thyatira. He tells us that she's a dealer in purple cloth. And then he tells us she was a worshiper of God, which is a, a clue to us that God's plan is transformation no matter what our religious background might be. Now, as a worshiper of God, uh, it's a, a term that Luke would have also used kind of interchangeably with a God-fearer. And basically what that is, it's a non-Jewish person, a Gentile like you and me, who has heard about the God of Israel, maybe has heard the scriptures read, but is not a full participant in the people of Israel. And so, again, they kind of live a God-adjacent life. They are aware of him, they worship him, they maybe read the scriptures, they participate in prayer, but they're not a full participant in the people of God. 
And so when, when Paul shows up, what he recognizes is here's a woman who's close to the kingdom, but not yet in. Here's a woman who's a fan, but has not yet become a follower. Here's a woman who admires the things of God, but is yet to be fully transformed by them. And what Paul sees is not a rich woman that he can just kind of buddy up alongside and use to support his ministry. He sees a woman who's close to the kingdom but needs to be introduced to Jesus. And it's a a reminder for us today that regardless of our religious background, God's plan is to lead every single one of us into a relationship with Jesus Christ. The scriptures are clear over and over and over again that all roads do not lead to the Father. That there is one way, and it is through Jesus Christ alone. And so the responsibility of every believer when interacting with anyone from any religious background is to look for opportunities to be used by the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to that person. It's also a warning to us that if we find ourselves still as a fan of Jesus but not a follower, that God is not particularly impressed by the fact that we're impressed with him. But instead... He's drawing us deeper into a personal and powerful, transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when Paul encounters Lydia and and apparently some other women who are there and they're gathered for prayer, he takes the opportunity to begin to tell them, hey, let me tell you about the God that you're praying to. And more than that, let me tell you, he starts to tell them the story of God, the gospel story of how everything has been building in this moment to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Then he would have told them the story of Jesus, and he would have told them about the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, and he would have told them about the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what we see is that God's plan is transformation, and he is working to make that plan happen in our lives because it says, as Paul spoke... The Lord opened Lydia's heart to receive his message. And so it's this this really wonderful picture of God's plan is transformation. And God is working to make that plan happen. And so this, this brings us comfort in two ways. One, it means if I don't have a relationship with Jesus, then I should be able to find some encouragement this morning that God has arranged the circumstances of my life to put me in a place where I can hear that Jesus is God's plan for me. I don't know why you think you came to Christian Chapel or why you joined us online this morning. You might have done it for any number of reasons, but what the scriptures are reminding us of this morning is anytime God brings us into his presence, it's so he can reveal Jesus to us in personal and powerful ways. And you might consider yourself a religious person. You might consider yourself spiritually inclined. You might consider yourself in tune with the supernatural, but what the Bible reminds us of is is those are all gifts from God given to bring us to a point of decision about Jesus Christ. And our spiritual journey will not be complete until it ends with submission and surrender to Jesus Christ because he is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is the only way to the Father. And so this is the message that Paul shares with Lydia, and what it seems is Paul doesn't have to do a lot of convincing because the Holy Spirit has already been working. See, the the reason that the simple message of the gospel brings such profound life change over and over again throughout history and around the world today is because everywhere the gospel is preached by a man or a woman or a teenager or even a child, we're just using the words that God has given us 
to put words on the longings that he's already expressed in the heart of someone else. And so anytime you share the gospel, you're just moving in a space where God has already been working. Anytime you speak the gospel, you're speaking into a space where the Holy Spirit has already been speaking. You will never share good news with someone that God has not already been drawing to himself. It doesn't mean that they'll always receive. It doesn't mean that they'll always be excited to hear from you. But what it means is when you are obediently walking into that space, that is someone who's already had doubts and questions. That's someone who's already having this inner turmoil and inner longing. That's someone that the Holy Spirit is already drawing to himself. We, you and I, as followers of Jesus, will never be the first movers or primary cause in anyone's salvation story. We only walk into the spaces where the Spirit has already been working. Paul couldn't have been any more set up for success on that day. He walks to the river, and he finds a group of women gathered in prayer. And when you're wanting to tell people about Jesus, a group of women gathered together praying to the Lord seems like a pretty ripe audience. And he just walks right into it. And he begins to tell the story, and as he tells the story, they're responding in their hearts even as he's preaching. As Paul shares the good news of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, there's something inside Lydia that says, this is what I've been waiting for. This is what I've been longing for. This is the answer to my prayers. This is the fulfillment of my longing. This is the peace that I've been searching for. And in that space, God uses the words of Paul under the power of the Holy Spirit to bring Lydia into her full identity as a daughter of God. And it's just this beautiful reminder for us that God's plan is transformation, and it doesn't matter where you're from, and it doesn't matter what you've done, and it doesn't matter what other people think about you, and it doesn't matter how much you have or how little you have. All that matters is God is drawing you to himself so that you can recognize you were created in the image of God for a relationship with him and to exist in community with other believers. And when you come to that point of recognition, there's a decision that you have to make. And we see this in Lydia's life. It says that the Lord was working as she responded to the gospel. Lydia is not a passive recipient of salvation. The work of salvation in her life has been God's work from beginning to end, and yet she still must make this choice to respond. And so we're given a a hint that she does there, but then it's made even more clear as we read the, the last portion of our scripture this morning. Verse 15 It says, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to stay in her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. Lydia's story reminds us that transformation always requires a choice. No one ever accidentally or unknowingly becomes a Christian. There is a moment when you know you have surrendered your life to Jesus. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. Marrying a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. Giving to a church doesn't make you a Christian. Serving at a church doesn't make you a Christian. Being the child of wonderful Christians does not make you a Christian. Listening to Christian radio does not make you a Christian. Sending your kids to Christian schools does not make them or you Christians. 
Sending them to Christian universities or to work for Christian companies does not make them Christians. The only thing that makes you a Christian is when you make an individual decision to submit and surrender to the work of God in your life. There is a day of salvation for every single person. And if you've never made that decision, today can be that day for you, but all of us have our day. All of us have our moment. When we say, I was a child of darkness, and now I am a child of light. I was a willful and unrepentant sinner, and now I am a repentant believer who's been saved, sanctified, and made whole in Jesus Christ. I was a fan or an admirer, but I moved in and became a follower and a full participant in what God has called me to do. It's a reminder for us that transformation is always an individual salvation decision. And we see this not only in Lydia responding to God's message, but we see it in how Luke describes her action. It says that she and the members of her household were baptized. And so when Paul's preaching the gospel, he's not just preaching, you need to confess your sins and receive Jesus as Savior, or you need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He's preaching what Jesus told the apostles to preach, that they're to go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so again, Paul recognizes the sovereign hand of God that's at work in this situation. The Lord has led him to a new city and to a new place. The Lord has led him to a group of women who are praying by a river. And when they say yes to Jesus, Paul immediately begins to teach them about baptism. And when Paul teaches them about baptism, their response is, I want to be baptized. And their act of baptism is not what saves them. That was when they submitted to the work of the Spirit in their life. But their act of baptism is their first public confession that they have now moved into full participants in God's kingdom. And when they step out into those river waters with Paul and Luke and their ministry team, and they begin to baptize them one by one in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, what those women are experiencing is the full immersion that comes with life in Christ. Right, when, we are, when we're placed under the waters of baptism, it is symbolic of two things. One, it's symbolic that we have died to our old way of life. And two, it's symbolic of we are completely submitted and surrendered to new life in Jesus. And when we come up out of those waters, we are completely wet. There's no dry spots that remain. Right now, at Christian Chapel, we, we have a, a portable baptistry that we roll out onto the stage for Baptism Sunday. If you've never been baptized, we, we would love to celebrate that with you. We have a baptism celebration scheduled for the Sunday after Easter. So just email us, info at christianchapel.com, and we'll baptize you. But one of the things we've noticed with this new portable baptistry is, is you kind of walk in, your feet go down in one end, and then you sit, and we baptize you this way. We notice, though, we have to, we have to be very uh, careful that we fill it enough that you get completely covered. Right now, again, there's, there's nothing... nothing um, supernatural about those waters, but there's something symbolic about the experience. And as a pastor, I don't want to baptize someone and they think everything but their nose and forehead are in the kingdom, right? And so, so you might have noticed there's been a time or two I've baptized somebody and they fight that last like three inches because they feel like they've went down far enough and I have to remind them you're not there. Like, get down all the way in, all the way. It's immersion. 
right? Because when we're transformed into the kingdom, it's not everything but the last 5%. It is all of me is surrendered to all of Christ and his plans for my life. And so when Lydia and her household are baptized, it is a public declaration, not just that we have made a personal and private decision to follow Jesus, and we're not going to talk about it because it makes us uncomfortable, but no, we have stepped into the kingdom, and we are going to get dunked in the water. And when Lydia and her family walk back from the river that day, as they walk through town, everybody wonders, what did they do? Like, they don't normally come back from the river on the Sabbath soaking wet, but today something different happened. And it provides an opportunity for Lydia and her household to model to their community that they have each made an individual decision to enter into the kingdom. And it's an encouragement for us as well that when we say yes to Jesus, we also obey in public baptism where we're immersed in the water as a sign, a symbol, a reminder that we have died to our old way of life. We've been immersed in new life in Christ and we are raised to that new life in him. So it's always this individual decision. Now, in in the American church, we typically do a pretty good job of emphasizing the individual nature of salvation. Right? It's, we pray sinners' prayers, we give altar calls, we celebrate public baptisms. We do that pretty well. But there's a, a second aspect of Lydia working out her salvation that, that can be a little easier to miss, and it's that transformation is a community decision. So go back to, to that portion in Acts chapter 16. It says, When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. Now, you might not notice it as we read it through, but as I studied this passage this week, the way that some of that Greek is phrased, it seems to imply that Lydia had to invite Paul and Luke to her house more than once. So you can almost read it as she invited us to her home, and we declined. And she said, if you consider me a believer in the Lord come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. And so there's some element of a back and forth between Lydia and Paul and Luke and their ministry team where Lydia is saying, I am a full participant in the kingdom. You are guests in my city. You don't have a place to stay. I'm not gonna let you sleep on the road, and I'm not gonna let you sleep in some sketchy little inn down the street. I have plenty of space come in. You can keep discipling me and my family. I can welcome you and host you. And what Lydia is recognizing is if I am now a daughter of God, then I'm a sister of Paul and I'm a sister of Luke. And it's now my responsibility to watch over my brothers when they are guests in my city. And so she opens her doors and in doing so reminds us that when we say yes to Jesus, it's not just an individual decision, it's an invitation into community. And this is the part that that maybe for some of us is a little more difficult because of our personality, our preference, or maybe our history in the past, we're sometimes slow to enter into relationships. And we've believed this, this kind of cultural lie that all you need is you and Jesus and you're good. But Jesus says, no, 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 the story is Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the church. And you're intended to experience all three for all of your life. There's not a season where you live in community. To live with Christ is to be in community. Now, if we're going to live in community together, it means we're going to have to be persistent in our pursuit of community. 
there are going to be times where you're going to have to invite me over and over and over again. There's going to be times where I'm going to have to invite you over and over and over again. When I read the story of Lydia persistently persuading Paul and Luke, first of all, I love the picture of anybody persuading the Apostle Paul to do anything. Right? Because normally it takes the loud voice of the Holy Spirit for him to get him to change his mind. But Lydia is just this, this new believer who believes I'm, I'm a participant in this kingdom. So that means I've got some responsibility towards you. So you're, you're just going to get in my house. And it kind of, it reminds me of going to my grandma's house when I was a kid at Christmas. And when you would show up at grandma's, it didn't matter if you were hungry or not. You were going to eat. And you were going to eat again and again and again. And so if you showed up an hour before Christmas lunch was ready, she still had Christmas breakfast cinnamon rolls out and you had to eat one. And then at lunch, you had to fill a plate. And there, there were several of us teenage cousins and she would make sure that we went back for seconds and that we went back for thirds. And my grandma, she, she had given birth to four daughters who were all just as stubbornly hospitable as she was. And so you'd get grandma telling you to eat more and then you'd get all the aunts telling you to eat more and you'd, you'd have your third plate full of food that you didn't want, but you're just being obedient. And, and then they'd pull out the desserts. There was never one dessert, there were always seven desserts. And because you're 15 years old, they assume you want to eat them all. And they were right. And so we did and we ate all of them. And then we'd just be rolling ourselves onto the couch and they'd come out literally 30 minutes later. There's still food left, y'all. You boys, get back in there. Get back in there. And, eat. and so you'd get back, and then we'd do it again at dinner. And then, then we'd get ready, and when we'd go home at night, there's a to-go box for everybody. She would make a to-go box for my cousin that lived four miles down the road in case he got hungry on the way home. Right? What, what is that? It's just this, this like stubborn hospitality of I'm going to look out for you. That's a picture I see of Lydia. When she's welcomed into the kingdom, she understands this is what I've been longing for. This is what I've been waiting for. And I'm going to dive into a full experience of it. And so Paul and Luke might try to politely decline her invitation, but she's just not going to have it. So she's going to dive in. And it's a reminder to us today, when we say yes to Jesus, we're not just saying yes to an individual relationship. We're saying yes to an experience of community. And in that experience of community, we are going to love and support each other. And sometimes we're going to be the one who gives, and sometimes we're going to be the one who receives. But at all times, we're going to be together in the community that God has created us for. Lydia's experience of salvation is complete. When she says yes to Jesus, she's a fully, fully accepted daughter of God. And yet God has an extra gift of community that he wants to give to her and that he wants to give to us and that he wants us to share with others who say yes to him. And so it's why for us at Christian Chapel, when somebody says yes to Jesus, we're not content to just stand and applaud, but we want to engage them in community, to participate in a home group, to be discipled, to walk with us so that we all can move from admiration to transformation. If you'll stand with me, I wanna pray for us this morning. Jesus, we thank you that you have a plan for each one of us to know you and to walk with you. We believe, Lord, that you are speaking to each one of us individually today. We pray if there's anyone in the room or online with us who's not yet surrendered their life to you. Today, Lord, may it be the day that they confess their sins, they receive you as Savior, and they obediently walk the path that you're laying out for them. May they respond with joy and appreciation 
for the way you're working in their heart and the way you've directed their steps, even this morning, to hear good news of great joy, that you see them, you know them, you love them, and you have a plan for them. And Lord, for those of us who've said yes to you, we wanna keep walking out our transformation in community together, and we ask that your spirit would give us opportunities to share that good news with others this week. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.